Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined this week by Ashley Goff, who has kindly stepped in to fill the shoes of Keenan for our Halloween special. We've tried to find a pair of crime-horror hybrids that will work within the bracket, and today's theme, I guess, and we've emerged with a battle of the sequels. We're rolling with Saw 2 and The Purge Anarchy. Goff, uh, Big shoes to fill that Keenan has left you. Um, I didn't want to be the one to say that. <laughs> but, uh, well, I guess something that is to a benefit is I know Keenan just does not like horror films at all. Yeah, so he's so we're he's leaving him with week, one of these. <laughs> yeah, he's picked a week off to which suits him. Yeah. yeah, I mean he'll have to get there at one stage. I mean, I think anyone that listens weekly, he did say he was away for this week, and then I asked when he's on holiday, and it's actually in two days' time. So, <laughs> he really doesn't like horror films. <laughs> Greetings and welcome. I trust that you're all wondering where you are. I want to play a game. Three hours from now, the door to this house will open. Unfortunately, you only have two hours to live. Tell me where he is. Fuck this. <laughs> But anyway, we will start with Saw 2. The synopsis, a detective and his team must rescue eight people trapped in a factory by the twisted serial killer known as Jigsaw. I'll ask you the question I ask Keenan every week. What do you think the critics thought of this one? Am I, am I meant to say positive, negative? Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say 50-50. Generally more positive. We'll, we'll see. Am I completely wrong there? So, the original provided some genuinely creepy moments despite an increasingly absurd story. The equally silly sequel diffuses much of its tension. If you've bought into the Saw movies, 2 ups the violence without totally jumping the shark and is a worthy follow-up to the original. There you go. While Saw 2 isn't as good technically as its predecessor, its many clever twists and exploration of Jigsaw's mind make the second entry a fun, guilty pleasure watch. Saw 2 gives talented, creepy-looking character actor Tobin Bell the chance to shine again as the cancer-ridden serial killer. And didn't do news of the week this week. Hopefully no one can hear my fan on my laptop going crazy. But Tobin Bell is returning for Saw 10. So we did have quite the choice as to which Saw film to do. We'll get into why we didn't do Saw 1 in just a moment. He must be getting on now. Like, yeah. I mean, they've made him up to look like a cancer patient in the second one. He's looking rough there. What? And <laughs> there's only so much they can do. So they've maybe touched him maybe he's one of them I bet he always looks sleepy in school I bet he's one of them kids that just <laughs> always looked half asleep he's 80 years old right yeah um ah the problem with the problem with the big game is that it doesn't have the same fear factor a deadly gas you can't see any impending doom except for a couple of phlegmy coughs I think that's like that's the gist of it though isn't it it's supposed to be like yeah. an, an invisible 
danger. So, Saw 1, we've obviously both seen it. I think we watched Jigsaw at the cinema together. Certainly one of them. Yeah. Can you remember the first time you saw Saw? Was it even the first one that you started with? No, I've I've watched like a, a miss like a mi- mismatch of them because I think when the first one came out, I didn't go and see it at the cinema. The second one, I Would think you even been eighteen. That's the thing. No. I don't think I was. I think the second one was probably the first one I saw. And just like growing up through the ages, I've just seen like random ones. And <laughs> yeah. The only ones I re- really remember at the cinema was Jigsaw. So this was the the most commercially successful in America which kind of makes sense in terms of the first one did well so everyone yeah. buys in for the sequel but when I ask people three seems to be the one where everyone kind of checked in like I think a lot of people say Saw 3 is their favourite because it's the main one people remember yeah and I may watch it this evening to try and refresh my memory I remember watching Saw 1 I remember it I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have been able to escape it at the time, but this Saw 1 was, what, 2004? Oh, so Christ. Yeah. A long, long time ago. I think I remember some bloke down the pub telling my dad, I've got a <laughs> copy of this if you if you want to see it. But I remember staying at a kid's house. And it was always a thing where people would want to put on horror films mm-hmm. when like you were staying around someone's mate from sc- house from school. And... I've told this story before. I actually got scared of the scary movie version of The Ring. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> not because I thought something was going to jump out and start screaming at me like that, but I got the idea of The Ring through that and that scared me. I don't know how old I'd been, not very old. So you saw that before yeah. you'd seen The Ring, yeah. I've not seen I've not seen oh, The Ring. Okay. I don't need to see that. You don't want to watch but, the Japanese version. No, <laughs> but I was able to fairly comfortably know if I had to choose between gore and like supernatural paranormal kind of stuff yeah then I was aware that I'd be better off with one than the other and so going down the list you know when there's a whole thing you're told at school where it's like you should never give in to peer pressure those people have never been peer pressured (laughs) and there's only so far you can go if you're at someone's house you're not ringing up to go, can you come and pick up 14, 15 years or whatever it would have been. You're not ringing up to say, can you come and pick me up, please? I don't want to watch this scary film. Yeah. You've got to make a decision. And I remember going through the list and he was going, oh, we can watch this one. It's more gory. Oh, yeah, fine. We'll get in with this one. And I thought, the whole time just building up to seeing him go through, sawing his leg off. And I thought, maybe I'm going to get lucky. Maybe it's not going to happen. I remember getting to the end of it and I actually quite enjoyed that and I didn't have any issue with being scared. I think the only thing I did was check my wardrobe the next day because there's the guy... Do you ever watch Lost? Yeah. So I forget the character's name, but Ben, I think it is, the guy who kind of runs the island. He is... Matthew Fox. That... No. no. So... Um... Oh, the older guy. Yeah, he's got brown hair. Uh... Oh, Yeah. He's in like season two. So, I mean, it doesn't mean anything to anyone at home, but this guy. Yeah. So he's in Saw 1. And there's a thing of him where the girl does the usual. Daddy, there's someone in my room. And it's like, come on, you're having bad dreams. Get back to bed. And then there's a shot of his eyes in the wardrobe. And he says, hello, little girl, or something like that. Now, that would have creeped me out even more if someone was in my wardrobe calling me a little girl. <laughs> 
But that was the only thing. That was the only thing I took away from it. And I thought, no, I wouldn't mind seeing these follow-ons because I realised I had no issue with gore. Um, I'm still the same with paranormal stuff. I don't need any yeah. of that smoke. Like when I see people saying, you know, the new Conjuring films out, cool, go watch it on your own. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere near that. I'm um, kind of the same really, like slasher films or anything like that yeah, I can yeah. kind of handle, but anything, yeah, with like ghosts or I remember something. watching Blair Witch because, and this is again, I'm repeating myself, I loved everything to do with the advertising campaign of Cloverfield. I remember being, however it would have been, about 14 at the time. And the whole marketing it as if this is a real event and they do the found footage and the news reports and it was looked like Godzilla in the water. And so I read up on the Blair Witch one and we had to do horror films all through sick form. Mm-hmm. So I went back and watched that. And then I watched a new one at the cinema. That was that was enough for me. Everyone was saying how shit it was. I was like, oh, this is horrible. This is horrible. So jump scares and paranormal stuff I'm rough with, but blood, guts, gore, I can do all that. How this came about, screenwriter Lee Wannell, who actually plays not the guy who saws his leg off in Saw, but the other guy in the room, and director James Wan, they met a film school and they shared this common bond where they said they were speaking to people in their class and they felt like everyone just gave off the impression they were above horror films Mm. and they didn't like that that was a shared passion they had they leave school they start doing these shit jobs that none of them like but they aren't prepared to compromise in what they make so they get some money together and they decide to try and build a film for five thousand dollars that can be shot with just two people in one room they finally come up with this right idea. They get the thing of, there's two of them in the room, there's a dead guy in the middle and they had the twist. Mm-hmm. And essentially, they had a guy sawing his leg off at the end and that's going to be our set piece. Um, they determined enough of it, but they needed to kind of fill in the guts of it before they could go and get this produced and made or whatever. Lee Wannell he's left to do all that. James Wan is left to try and plot out how they could actually film this. They get the script together. I believe they were in Australia and they try showing it to people and they realise just how expensive it is to make a film and you're not (laughs) going to do this for $5,000. So they're shipping it around. The director says, no one else has directed my film. And the screenwriter says, I'm going to star in the film. No one else can do this better than I can. He's never acted before. But what they do is they're able to get enough money financed in Australia that they can make a five-minute scene out of this. And they shoot the scene with uh, Amanda where Mm. the mask is going to close on her if she doesn't get the key out of the dead guy. Well, the guy who's not dead. They film that the screenwriter actually stars in the Amanda role and they just start sending that around. They're getting a bit of feedback and one of the film schools over there, I think, pays for them to go to LA. They have an agent at this point. They pay for them to go to LA and say, send this around. They get to um, what then becomes Twisted Pictures, but they show this around and the first person they show it to just loves it, falls in love with it. And this studio, and I'm annoyed I've not written it down. I'll get it later on. The screenwriters, I'm sorry, the studio 
remortgage their facility to make this film. They go all in because they're just convinced this is going to be huge. Yeah. Obviously, it then turns out to be huge. They get about another several hundred thousand. I think it gets made for less than one million in the end. And then we get this film that we get now. But it all comes from the fact it's in one room. It's just because they need to save money. Mm. And they've really had to focus on the dialogue and the narrative and getting everything crafted perfectly. And they say, when they watch it back now, they don't like it because they say it feels unfinished because they didn't have the budget to do anything else. But they say, if you watch the first Halloween, the first Friday the 13th, whatever, they all have that same feel in that you could probably get another 20, 30 minutes of narrative and character building, but you can't do that because yeah. you need to get it done. And it works out perfectly. And I think there's very few that wouldn't say if the first isn't their favourite, that it's not the best mm. in there. So that gets us to here. A sequel. It After the opening weekend, a sequel is commissioned. They've already been tied up. And you would remember the film poster, but not the film. There was a film called Dead Silence that they were roped into do straight after if you look at it it's they're basically trying to cash in on from the makers of saw it's about a puppet Mm -hmm. on the poster and there's like two fingers up so clearly the studio was desperate enough that they want to just plot ahead with it yeah there's a music video director named darren lynn boosman who's just completed a script for his first film and it's called the desperate He's trying to send it to studios. Sorry for rambling on. And all the reactions he's getting are, it's a bit too similar to Saw for us. And a German studio eventually approaches him and says, we'll give you one million to do this film. And just as they're about to pen this deal, an American cinematographer named David A. Armstrong, who was going to come on board, he just worked on Saw. And he says, Hank, don't sign this just yet. Mm-hmm. Let me show this to the producer, Greg Hoffman. He knows that the other two don't have the time to write this sequel in time. They're trying to really build on it. Similar way, American Pie 2, they did the opposite, but they waited ages and then basically said, we want a sequel now. Yeah. And it's similar in this sense. They read this script and they get the same feeling. <laughs> it feels a lot like Saw. He and Sissy wrote it way in advance, but... Um, and he gets a call from Lionsgate. There you go. He thinks they're going to say, we've heard about this script you're doing. It's a bit too similar. Stop it. Yeah. They love it. They decide that the desperate can be turned into Saw 2 with, with some little tweaks. He's flown to Toronto. They get all this set up and he's on board. They get the initial screenwriter to sit down with him and figure out the small things that they can change to get it into the Saw universe. Yeah. But if you notice why things feel a bit different, it's because it wasn't intended to be a sore film. His script was far more focused on the traps and the blood and the gore. And you can't search any film after one without seeing torture porn written alongside any of these films. And that's why it does tilt slightly. I don't think you could do the first film quite the same way. I think that was kind of... No, I think it, the second film definitely stepped it up, I think. Yeah, I so... Think I, I mentioned to you when I was watching it again last night, I was like, I'd forgotten how hard it is to <laughs> yeah. watch some of these scenes. 
yeah, he, he says they kept the same framework and they just loved what they described as the disgusting atmosphere that he was able to create in his script. Um, he says they listened to fans' suggestions in one of the issues people did have with the first film is you have the guy that goes through the barbed wire, don't use one mm. of the things. People said, we actually want to see this happen. We don't want to see it after the fact. Yeah. And so this time, you'll see, even when they give you a flashback, they're still showing you the entire thing because they know people ultimately are going in there. But a second film, to see the blood and guts and gore, the whole thing with the first one is, is this guy going to cut his leg off? Yeah. And come the second one, you're well aware of what you're going in for. So I don't think you can quite do the same thing. In terms of... Do we change this initial script first? Do mm. a bit of both. Okay. First of all, did you like Saw 2? I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think, just going back to what you said about the, the scenes and how I mentioned how they stepped it up, the very first scene is the guy who gets his face squashed in that mask. So yeah. You, kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know exactly what you're in for. You're like, Jesus, this is the very beginning of the film. Like, how are they going to make this even more horrible? <laughs> yeah, me and Keenan always talk about each week. The the best films that we go to are the ones where, I think as you just said there, they give you, they almost grab you by the collar and go, this is what you're in for. If you don't like it now, get out. Yeah. Then go and watch something else. And this was going to be longer. I think hour and a half this one is. I think that's about right for yeah. this kind of film. I'd say so. Anything that's, it's kind of like a comedy, isn't it? There's only so much you're going to laugh at the same type of joke. Mm-hmm. And it's where maybe people don't aren't going to rewatch 40-Year-Old Virgin and Bridesmaids quite so much because you need to put two and a half hours aside for it. <laughs> and with this, get in, see people get chopped up, get out on the other side. There, there was a lot of backstory about each of the game's participants that was deleted for pacing reasons. And... On the DVD commentary, they explain Addison was a prostitute. She was also in Two and a Half Men, if anyone uh, watches that. She was uh, Mia in Two and a Half Men. I did, I did wonder <laughs> as well why they didn't have all that. Yeah. Like, why every character didn't have the story as only a select few. Yeah. Um, so they kind of imply that in there. She, they also use a flashback of her in Saw 4, I think it is, mm. where she tries to seduce John Kramer, and that explains how she gets in there later on, but she slept with Detective Matthews in the backseat of a police car. They were discovered and the scandal led to Eric's demotion. However, he made sure that she'd be incarcerated. Right. And that's why, well, her reason of yeah, hating that's him. that's her link. Um, Gus was an embezzler of money. The needle in the glass box trap was intended for him with a symbolic reference of trying to reach the cookie jar. Um, Laura was incarcerated because she was a shoplifter. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually don't mention which trap was going to be for her, but you get a lot of these. Um, there were some other traps that they were going to do. There was one for Addison, and I don't know if it was for budget reasons or whatever. They were going to take out the razor box, and we're going to go through the traps in a minute. She was going to wake up shackled with her wrists in a chair, Razors would be planted against her wrists, trying to dig into her flesh if she tried to move her hands. Her tape would talk about her using her looks to survive, stating that she would have to sacrifice and scar them if she wanted to escape. 
The only way to release her hands from the razor shackles would be to burn her face against a waffle iron that was on in front of her. After struggling and slicing her wrists, she'd eventually slam her face into the grill, releasing her cuffs and letting her go free, but with a horrendously scarred face. Right. Okay. They used something similar than that in the latest one. Um, I don't know if you've seen Spiral, the one with Chris Rock. Came out this year. So. No, no, not on there. Um, I'm not giving too much away. You can skip forward 15 seconds if people don't want to hear, but there's one where this woman saying, you've been using your looks for to get you by in life. And so they basically butcher her face and say, I just remembered, it was, will you cut off your nose to spite your face? Right. And she refuses to cut off her nose. And so she gets killed. Mm. Feels an easier way out than a lot of these people that, <laughs> that we see in these films. Cut off your nose is a bit butcher, isn't it? Yeah. There was a subplot they took out from the final cut where Matthews had an affair with Detective Kerry, which they kind of they kind of hint at in this, don't they? Where when there's I, a weird energy between them. I remember them. the first time I watched it, I thought something was going to happen. Between, yeah. I thought it was going to be some weird thing where they've chucked in some like love story kind of with, with so that. In the initial plot, they had an affair which kicked off the end of his marriage and led to the strange relationship between him and Daniel. Mm-hmm. that's also why Eric's wife won custody of Daniel and they hint at this in which Kerry remarks she is not going to let Eric lose his son for the second time right they shot five alternate endings because they were so terrified of leaks in this they I don't know what they are so this may be maybe in two alternate endings and that sounds better yeah but the last 25 pages of the script were only given to actors involved in the sequence and they were all made to sign horrible NDAs in that if any of these actors broke and revealed anything from the plot, they were effectively going to lose more than they were being paid to do the film. Mm-hmm. So he just took it out of their hands. Um, before we go through the traps, one issue I had with the way they do it in this film, and I'd forgotten that to be the case, is when I think of Saw, they usually do it the way of it's just you in the situation, you've done this, this trap relates to whatever you've done wrong. Yeah. You have to get your way out of it. I thought they maybe missed a trick by not making each individual person do their specific things. It's only the guy that gets chucked in the, the furnace. In the yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was one of the things I thought of as well. I thought how, obviously it's all part of his elaborate game. Yeah. How he has no control over who does what once they're inside the house. Yeah. So yeah, exactly that. It's just like, well, how are you going to stop and, person A going over to that and trap? And the fact is, we know that by the end of it, he was able to watch the whole thing the whole time. Yeah. So he could have done something to ensure that the correct people were doing the correct things. Example but, of what you said, was it Laura, the one who, the shoplifter, sorry. Yeah doing someone else's trap like yeah, obviously that wasn't then, part of his plan and then the needles the guy who is a drug dealer mm-hmm. just chucks someone he's else a, in there he's such a piece of shit <laughs> yeah. Jesus I mean, he'd, have been, he'd have been a bit big to get in there to be fair without but, without ruin well obviously no no yeah anyone that's listening anyone to this watched, it. yeah uh, that was another thing I thought of when he chucks her in there what's stopping him chucking chuck, chucking the sun in there yeah like and then just ruining the whole thing yeah, it's that was the only 
disappointment I had. And I know there's things in the sequels that kind of tie back in with this one and some of the traps and things like that. Yeah, that was a, that was a weird thing because you've seen things before and they're more supernatural things. But you, mm. we've seen films, haven't we, where it's you're all on a quest. Only one of you can do this thing to get you through to the next. I mean, I'm not asking him to go like Ron Weasley. He has to get, he has to be taken by the king <laughs> for them to get through. But you'd think there's some way they could have tied yeah. that into the script. And because uh, the drug dealer is such a loose cannon, yeah. like he's just got the ability to blow the whole thing up and just screw it all up. But that, all- that baffled me. Like, why has he put that much of a loose cannon in there? Well, when the whole thing is essentially about him controlling what they do as well as part of the game. There's also the thing in that I remember from the later ones, and I'm going to go back and kind of watch them all now that I've watched the first two this week, is um, as it goes on, uh, it's always like um, this guy's a paedophile and so he's having this. This guy killed a baby, so he's going to have to do this. This guy was a drunk driver and killed a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's going to have to do, do this. In the first one the guy's a snitch and he ends up having to die in a bathroom because he won't saw his leg off. And in the second one, I'm not saying shoplifting is a good thing, but <laughs> does it mean that you should be in a house with these gases going through your body and you can, your insides being turned to mush? <laughs> and she ends up dying for yeah, like slitting her wrists. <laughs> it's so rash. It's like before he really finds like the way he wants to get things done because it starts as a moral message in and the one guy's in there because we don't get any inclination that he was doing some bad things we see him come out of the police station at the start don't we and his dad's going oh I shouldn't have to be the one bailing you out yeah. and they can maybe hint that this kid did something bad that we don't know about and his dad was covering up for him but instead it's just you know your dad is Get in there and suffer like everyone else. So it's rough, but I think as they went on, I don't remember them being that soft. It's like you are the worst people in the world. Yeah. And you're all in these games together. Well, there's one I remember in a later one. And I'm assuming people have watched these films if they are tuning in, so I shouldn't be spoiling anything. I'm sure there's one where a guy rolls over. And essentially, like, suffocates his baby in the night Mm. by rolling on top of him or her. And he lets his wife think that she was the one that did it because he kind of turns back over. Whenever I fall asleep and the cat's in there, as soon as I wake up, that is the first thing I think of. (laughs) And I don't need that jigsaw smoke if that did happen. (laughs) But, as long as you're not letting anyone else take the rap. <laughs> no, no, I don't think. If my cat comes out looking like Flat Stanley, there's only one. You'll be checking one your cupboard again to blame for, for the eyes. Um, all right, the trap. So we start with the death mask. And this really is the start of the trap to kick off a saw film mm-hmm. goes then the whole way through the rest of them. And it's usually they set the stall out, as we've said. The victim of this trap is named Michael Marks. He had a mechanical contraption locked around his neck, which worked similar to an Iron Maiden. The trap, a so-called death mask, was divided in two separate parts, the back and the front part. Both parts were angled down from Michael's head. The inside of both parts was spiked with numerous pointy nails, 
Once the game began, the mask would close in on his head and pierce it with the nails if Michael wasn't able to unlock the trap within 60 seconds. The key was surgically implanted behind his right eye. In order to obtain it, Michael had to cut it well, cut it out with a scalpel lying in a toolbox before him. Plenty to get into here. Have you ever worn contact lenses? No, I can't touch my eyes. That's was going to be my next question. A lot of people do have issues with eyes, don't they? I do. Have a, I had an eye injury when I was at school, and now nothing can go net, like close to my eye, which I just it just makes me go on edge. We had a headline recently with um, a bloke that got, I think it was 18 contact lenses stuck in one eye and the doctor described it as looking like a stack of pancakes. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But this is one of those things you take a small minority, it's grim for everyone. Yeah. But people that don't like eyes Mm -hmm. don't like eyes. I know TK's like that as well. I remember there being some kind of movie poster. I think it may have been called The Eye. But there was something where someone gets like a nail poked in their eye. This one's bad. Even someone I've tried contact lenses didn't go well. Yeah. But it's a weird thing touching your eye mm-hmm. as it is. I've told the same story on air a thousand times when I got a contact lens stuck in my eye and they had to drag a swab across my eyeball like in Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. This a scalpel to your eye for what I don't even he starts attacking and far be it for me to slate his technique here he starts attacking the middle of the eye like he needs to get his eyeball out yeah I don't think he really takes that into account so I didn't uh, when I first was watching it I didn't actually realise his eye was in there at first you know because obviously Jigsaw's done the surgery on him put it behind it I thought his eye was already out so I didn't quite understand why he was so reluctant to do it and it's only as it went on, I was like, oh, it looks on a like minute. it. I mean, it's swollen. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's taking someone to pain off, if anything. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I just, would you have that in you? What? No, a lot of these are harsh. Uh, I mean, this harsh in general. <laughs> <laughs> um, 60 seconds feels rash. Yeah. Like, because by the time he's. If I was some evil, psychopathic guy, part of the joy. Joy is a weird word for part of the thrill of the first one is they have to exert every possible thing to do before he realizes I have no choice yeah. but to saw off my own leg. It's like the slow mental anguish, yeah. isn't it? Building up this, like, at least give him at least make it two minutes. He's got 60 seconds now, he's got to really do I do this? Yeah, the 60 seconds works perfect for a film, but. Yeah, that, that, even if you get it out, then you've still got to get the key out of your eye. Exactly. And well, as soon as your eyeball comes out, that key's probably dropping to the floor. And now you're looking at it with one eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very rash. I, I, like, and then you've got to unlock seconds. it. Oh. I actually, and I don't know if that's. We're going to go through the traps. Knowing what you know, is this the peak trap of the film or is anything worse? There's what everyone thinks of. So really, if you're doing like, I'm like a boxing card, Mm. you want the main event at the end. Yeah. Have they put the main event first or is the pit of needles bad enough? I'd say 
the needles is a lot worse. I, even the the fire, which we'll get onto, is worse because I think when you're seeing someone slowly dying in pain, <laughs> as opposed to at least once those sixty seconds are up, yeah. he, he's gonna he dies he's getting cooked fairly instantly, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it just gets worse as it as it goes along. But we've seen people be burnt alive in films before. Yeah, we've not seen anyone have to try and take their eyeball out before. That that's that's true. When. When you ask people, have you seen Saw 2? I'm not sure. The one with the pit and needles? Yes, yeah. I have. That's the one everyone remembers, isn't it? So I guess that probably answers my question. Um, Which actually, out of all of them, doesn't kill the person. No, no. <laughs> um, then we have explained that they're in this kind of nerve gas house. Um, the large front door leading out of the house was secured from the outside by several metal bars after three hours, the door would be opened. However, the prisoners would already succumb to the gas within two hours as it would cause severe internal bleedings. In order to survive, they had to find and pass numerous tests set up all around the house by Jigsaw. Thereby, they'd be able to obtain images, obtain syringes with the antidote. Primarily to observe the game and make sure that everyone followed the rules, Jigsaw's accomplice, Amanda Young, played as another victim. The first one... Amanda has told them they're in Jigsaw's game before anyone does anything, hasn't she? She does the, oh no, I'm, I'm here again. I've been here, yeah. Good acting from her. Do you think, if you see the piece of paper, do not use this key to open this door? You don't use the key. Someone's trying it. I don't think I'm that guy. No. I'm not confident. Hundred percent. You let someone else try it just just to test out what happens. Test the waters. You see what the fuck happens. You think, right? Okay, this is what I'm in for. Was it something I missed? Does he need to put his eye up into that hole to, to unlock the door? No, because it was the drug dealer who actually had the key to unlock it. And, and he as he was through. unlocking it, yeah, he looked through the key uh, through the the spy hole. Even worse. Yeah. <laughs> don't be so nosy. Um. I think part of me would do the oh he's telling us not to go out there because we can go out that way mm-hmm. but I'm not being the one even when and this relates to the purge when we're doing it there's a thing where they're walking through the tunnel later on I'm not being at the front or the back there yeah and so Agreed. I'm not unlocking the door and I'm not being the last one to go through uh-huh. it or the first one to go through it whatever happens the furnace, as we've mentioned. The gun, by the way, of all the ways to go. Yeah, it's, if we're, it's simple and effective, isn't if it? If we're levelling it out, saying that in the grand scheme of things, your head being clamped wasn't bad, the gun is probably... Yeah. He had it easy. If you know you're not going to get out, yeah. you're going to choose one of them, choose that one. <laughs> so the victim of this trap was Obi Tate. He had to crawl into a large metallic furnace located in the middle of the basement of the nerve gas house. Inside the furnace were two of the antidotes for the nerve gas hanging from two chains. While one of the syringes could be easily removed, the chain with the second antidote was connected to the small door of the furnace. Once he pulled the chain, a mechanism would close and lock the door. Seconds later, the fire inside the oven would turn on and continuously come closer to Obi as the burners of the oven turned on one by one. In order to survive, Obi had to crawl through the flames and turn a red valve next to the door. Next to it was a drawing of a red devil pointing at the valve. Turning it would turn off the gas supply of the oven, which fueled the flames. A couple of observations here. 
he was far too comfortable crawling into that furnace. Like yeah. he had no clue what could possibly be about to happen here. Considering he's the one who helped kidnap them, which wasn't really explained well enough, no. I think. It was kind of like, yeah, he's he's helped him. Yeah. And yet he's been also been thrown into the game as well. Like, hang on a minute. <laughs> like he's helped you set this whole thing up and you're, you're just throwing him in there. But um, yeah, he's, if, any, if anyone other than Amanda should know what, yeah. It's gonna go on. It should be him. And it's it's one of them. If you tell me that you've got like a dormant gun, I don't know if that's the right word now. Mm. I'm still not gonna put it to my head and pull the trigger. Yeah. If I see an oven and you tell me it's not on, I'm still not gonna climb in there. And I understand he has to to some extent, but he gets in there like <laughs> it's the first time I've sat down all day. Yeah. And even when he grabs the first one. We're led to believe these are all selfish, horrible people. You think you'd almost get out and be like, you want that second one? Yeah. Get in there yourself and get it. Inject yourself while you're in there. It is interesting that he goes to grab the second one, isn't it? And he does have a rather large guy and everyone else waiting to kick the shit out of him on the other side. Because they just learned about Well, how much do you want the antidote? You deal with that first and once they get smoked out, you don't have to worry about it. Even even then, and it's hard to put ourselves into these situations where that is kind of the point of this <laughs> being here. It takes a while to go for pressing this lever down to calm things down. I've got to think at a certain point, you realise how this is going. Mm. But he is literally burning at that point, isn't he? Or so at least his, his feet and legs are. Yeah, that's what I mean. Point. Do you think it's part of you not like, I've got nothing to lose here? Oh, I don't know. I couldn't think of any worse way to die than burning alive. Well, he's burning honest. alive regardless. Yeah, true. He he perhaps doesn't know that... He's more sceptical of pulling this lever down to save himself than he is pulling this syringe that's weirdly hard to pull down <laughs> for the second time. Yeah. I don't know. It's he is obviously cooking at that point, but that's... again going back to the very first time I remember watching it as well. As soon as obviously you, you see kind of like the oven there, and as soon as it's like his card, isn't it, set up for him, it says about burning people yeah. with your lies. I was like, right, this guy's going to fucking burn <laughs> yeah, to yeah. death here. And even though you've mentally prepared yourself, you know what's gonna come. It's still quite hard to watch, I think. Did you did you ever watch a film uh Immortals? It would have been about 2013-ish. Your standard kind of Greek god. No, I don't believe I have. There's a thing in there. And there's almost like a... uh, Like an iron statue of a minotaur or a minotaur or whatever. And they basically put people in this. And you don't see it. It's like a 12 or a 15. (laughs) But they basically just heat it up. And so you just cook. Yeah. on the inside of it and you can hear them squealing that made me squirm more than this did because that felt like a slower burn and I guess we've all burnt ourselves at some point mm. but I can um, identify easier with even just like touching a hot car door Yeah, and you realise and so to be sat essentially in that I felt that more than thankfully I don't know what it's like to be set on fire <laughs> The closest is like what touching a sparkler when you're younger. This one, 
rash, but as far as saw traps go, we've kind of seen, and it's not as gruesome as it. I'm not complaining. You don't actually like see him burning. Though, we've seen you? films where they're blistering yeah. up in yeah, exactly. like, afterwards. I understand they're all panicking as well. Did they think they were going to pull him through that little gap at the end? <laughs> that did baffle me a bit. So okay, you've smashed it open, but yeah. you can't even get his shoulders through. Well, if we save his head, like it's going to be some kind of film. Do they not you... know how fire works? As soon as they open that, yeah. it's going to go to the oxygen and just come up. Like you see three PO, you just take his top <laughs> half off and just carry him around the rest of the time. Chuck him in with the needles. He's got less to him. <laughs> um, the needle pit. So the victim of this trap was Amanda Young, even though it was originally designed for Xavier Chavez. Mm-hmm. It was located in one of the rooms on the upper floor of the nerve gas house. The pit was actually a giant hole in the centre of the room. It was filled with over tens of thousands of filthy used syringes. Yeah, that's... Additionally, there were two doors in the room. The first one was a wooden door through which they entered. The other door located at the back part of the room was a heavy metal door. Behind it was a syringe with an antidote for the nerve gas. So even if they got it in time. She wasn't getting any gain out of this. Mm. Xavier was still going to be taking that syringe. Once the game began, the prisoners had only a few minutes to find the key, as otherwise the door to the antidote would be locked permanently after a short time, making it impossible to obtain the antidote. Uh, The key was attached to a glow stick plugged in one of the countless syringes in the pit. It it took approximately 120,000 syringes for them to complete the needle pit sequence. (laughs) And they say, when shooting the scene, a handful of real needles fell into the pit, thus causing the crew to halt filming and find the needles before filming could could commence. They were literally searching for needles in a needle pit. That's mad. That's definitely some, like, showrunner who's being just, come on. (laughs) Come on, get in there. What I did think, though, if, if she did die in that, for example, what then happens? Because he needs her. Yeah. For the last part of the film. He's 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 got faith. He's got faith. Like, in if she's dead, he's just sat there like, oh fuck. Now what do I do? I hope he's got I some get, sort of backup. Yeah, because plan. she we we have to assume by the end of it is never poisoned. She's that's, already had an antidote. That's what I was gonna bring sat. up. Yeah, because she I, you notice it as the film goes on where they're all starting to become more and more ill. Yeah. You think, hang on, she's she looks absolutely fine. So there's only one trap which we'll get to which could have been for her, but it's not one that if, well, if she knows how to get out of it, then hmm. she'd have been fine. This one, yeah, it's just lucky. This is the one they don't say, look, you're little, you get in that furnace. Yeah. Because then she really would have been toast. Um, this is one, I guess, that you can just relate to in some sense because we've all had an injection. Mm. Nobody, see people, oh, no, I don't like needles. I don't like inject. Does anyone? Does anyone <laughs> like these things? And we can all kind of resonate with this, let alone... All over your body. Yeah. yeah. No matter how... Because I have to... I, I, I would put money on in a cinema. I bet more people squirmed at when she's pulled out and she's got the the number hanging in, hanging out of it than the arms being cut open, the mm. fire. I bet people squirm more at that than at any other part of the film. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like you said earlier, it's it's the one scene in the film yeah. which sticks in people's minds from it. I sent a picture to uh, Langston when I was watching it and it was just watching Saw 2 and it was a close-up of the needles and he was like, oh, 
didn't do that at this time. And it's just one of them. I bet someone just mentioned to him, I bet he had a blood test or something on the day he's doing the script. Yeah. And then it just, some horrible thing in his head just ticked off. And he realised what a vile, vile thing this would be to make up. <laughs> because on a long list, and I, have, I don't want to look, so I'm going to watch the other films again, but a long list of most memorable traps, this is probably up there. It's got to be up there, yeah. Uh, we get the razor box. So the victim of this trap was Addison. It was located in one of the rooms of the nerve gas house and consisted of a large glass box suspended from the ceiling by four chains. Glued to the bottom of the box was a syringe with an antidote for the nerve gas. There were two holes in the bottom of the box, just big enough to put an arm through. However, on top of the holes were large, sharp razor blades, which were impossible for the victim to see when standing in front of the box. If Addison put her hand through one of the holes, she'd be able to push the blades aside, Mm -hmm. but couldn't pull her hand back out again, as every attempt to do so would cause the blades to cut deeper into her arms and wrists, leading to massive blood loss and subsequently her death. In order to obtain the antidote inside, Addison merely had to look at the other side of the box where a lock was located, with the key already sticking in it. The fact was unknown to this fact was unknown to Addison because she discarded the tape recording meant to explain this trap. It's very possible this trap was originally intended for Amanda due to the ease. Right. So you, if you can actually go back and see this, there's a shot on the other side, and you can literally see. Yeah. There's a key on the other side, and. Maybe that would have fitted in with the shoplifting one because yeah. you just you're not thinking and you just jumping straight in it and it's like now look what's happened. Or it really could have been for Amanda and it's kind of because she mentions she's had to go back in because of self harming, doesn't she? Yeah, she didn't respect her second chance at life, which would make a lot more sense. One one thing which did get me in this, well, where her being stupid as well is that. When she puts her first the arm in at first, because obviously she's so intent on getting the answer yeah. by that point, she's so desperate. She puts her first arm in, realizes it's a bit stuck, goes to pull it out. Then her immediate thought is to put <laughs> another arm in the other hole, which is clearly going to have the exact same result. Why would that be your first thought? I Surely- actually think she's knocked it over before she even puts her second arm in. But even before that, she she, she yeah. like pulls down. So it's like, hang on, think about it. Use your brain, use your other hand to perhaps like manoeuvre the blades out (laughs) of the way to pull your original arm out but yeah yeah she's uh, she was a goner and we'd never actually find out but we just assume she dies of blood loss it would either be that or the gas wouldn't it be one of the two there there's a weird thing and you kind of assume it's gonna happen there's a point where I thought she was gonna be raped the guy comes in and he's kind of doing this weird noise behind it when he brushes her hair to one side to look at the number please don't do this yeah that would have taken an unnecessary turn I think fortunately the the man has some morals (laughs) and just after uh, after he's previously thrown a woman into a pit (laughs) of needles Um, and then finally we've got what's down as Eric's test so the, the victim of this trap was the detective he finds Kramer jigsaw early on in his hideout due to a clue that the latter had left for him and he finds himself playing one of the games Mm. on several monitors he sees the recordings in the game not knowing that the game was already over one of the victims inside is his son 
and he merely has to talk to John for the duration of the two hours. Didn't listen, did he? No. Thinking the footage was live, he didn't know that Daniel had already survived the game and was locked up inside a safe in the same room as him and Jigsaw, tied up and provided with a sufficient supply of oxygen. He literally says you'll find him in a safe and secure place. Yeah. Once the time expired, the safe would open automatically and release Daniel in a relatively unharmed state. Amanda is strong. She carries this... She must carry him back, by the way, to Jigsaw. Yeah. Does the whole plan go out the window if he looks up Daniel and he's, he's a big lad? <laughs> <laughs> he needs Amanda, someone Amanda to go out. I need yeah. someone else. Yeah, that's fair. There's plenty of stages where it could have gone out the window, but... The safe space bit is... is I do love things like that. Where, and they play on that... It's usually in the recordings, isn't it? Where mm-hmm. it's like some awful pun that they aren't appreciating at the time, weirdly. Yeah. Um, it's smart because obviously the detective's test is essentially the whole film was hit, was the game, like for him. I, yeah, I think, it, I think it says a lot as well about how hectic the film is because the whole, the footage you're looking at isn't actually live. Mm-hmm. That's not a new thing. Like that's, I mean... Ocean's Eleven, we've seen this yeah. in like two years prior. Um, we've seen it in 24, you've seen it in plenty of things. And just the fact that you're so preoccupied with the, just the chaos that's going on elsewhere, I don't even remember considering that that could be an option, that they aren't watching it live. I didn't until until they, you know, when they like pin down the location in inverted commas. Oh, Once that happened, it's, yeah. like, it's obvious it's going to be somewhere else. But yeah, up until that moment, I didn't really think Even then, it. sometimes it's like, that's where the, the cameras are or whatever, you know, yeah. the station and they've tracked it down. They've got some VPN later down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cool way for it to end. And I think they had some pressure after the first one to make it, they had to feel clever mm-hmm. or they had to have some level. It couldn't be someone being chopped up blood and guts with no real um, thinking behind it because the reputation of the first was this was a clever psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. And I think there's only so many ways you can do that without building new characters. And they, they put some bits in place here, but unless they wanted to spend so much longer with Jigsaw, then I don't think they could do much more than what they did with this. And it's a, it's a sufficient ending. Even on the rewatch, it kind of clicked into place because you remember, I remember that he's locked in at the end. Yeah. And so I thought, I know Amanda's in Saw 3, mainly because I think of talking the hardest and clapped in the neck like Amanda in Saw 3. And so I knew that that was going to be the case, but everything else I couldn't quite remember. So it, it worked out well enough. Yeah. I think by that point where he's in the house looking for them and you kind of realise, the whole, well, you know the whole thing is going to be a trap. Yeah. But you, you can kind of guess what's going to happen, but it's still impressive when it does. And like you said, when it all comes together, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, that's smart. The, something I wrote down during, the constant kind of flashes and jump cuts feel very 2000s in the way yes. that this is edited. You always have that um, almost like scribbling sound as you do these cuts. You know what cuts? those cuts remind me of? You know the, the piracy advert cinemas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly the same as that. You wouldn't throw someone in a pit of needles. <laughs> well, apparently someone yeah. would. So, Jigsaw, he's he's somewhat of a... 
weirdly sympathetic character in the first one because they use the guy from Lost as your bad guy for a lot of the way through. We obviously know Jigsaw is doing this awful thing, but we don't see anything from him because he's just dead Mm. in the centre of the room. And we see that he gets his cancer diagnosis and he's kind of let down by a couple of people and that drives him to this point. So by that point, we've never seen... Never really seen anyone that human in there with him. We we don't know much about the doctor or uh, the snitch because they're playing this cat and mouse game where they don't want to reveal much to each other. Mm-hmm. So this time around, we do actually get more from him, and it's it's strange. You don't expect bad guys to have such a kind of tepid demeanor to them, and he does that very well in this in making a cancer patient that can barely stand up, seem menacing and evil. Yeah. Take some that's something that's difficult. Well. Yeah, that's something that's difficult to do and they do it. You believe that this is an evil guy right from the jump. Mm. Even just the calmness. Yeah, anytime you see a villain in films, the one that isn't shouting and screaming, the one that's sat at his desk. They're the scary ones. Yeah. yeah. And he does this so well in this because he does look about as weak as you could possibly mm-hmm. imagine. Um, And we see just how elaborate his plans are. Everything in the the first one, I understand he has to get the people in that position, but they're all very in your face, blood and guts, soaring through your leg is about as blunt as it can be. Yeah. This one, he's putting more people together at a time and all of these things, it does show there's a bit more to him and it only gets more and more. There's so many more components, isn't there? And I think the fact that um, we see that he's ill at the time, he's got Amanda working with him, sets it up to know that this isn't going to be the last one. Because for a while, this was the the Halloween film. Mm. I'd have to go back and look, but at least from the, the brief research I did, there wasn't a staple of films, stable of films coming out every Halloween. Halloween had taken a break for God knows how long. We've had those the last like three, yeah, four years. Back. But Saw, for a time, you look at everyone, it's like October 28th release, 29th, yeah. whatever, right around the time. I went and watched... Until Paranormal Activity came yeah, along. Yeah. yeah, it was Saw. I went and watched um, Saw 3D at the cinema when that came out. Yeah. So I had to sneak in to see it at 17. That was experiencing a pendulum swinging and someone's guts coming out in, in 3D. <laughs> um, that was in the 3D era. But they were one of those films that are inexperienced to see at the cinema um, more than just an actual film. Yeah. Um, I'd be, I have no issue with people going to the cinema on their own. I've done it before myself. If I see someone going to watch Saw on their own, I might be a bit concerned. It's like certain films. It's a bit, if I see a fully grown bloke going to see a kid's film on his own, weird. <laughs> if I see a fully grown bloke going to see some like psychological film like this, I go, Ooh, keep you're, away from you're a bit of an oddball. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anything else to add on Saw before we uh, move on? No, not really. I think we discussed most of it. Yeah. And, yeah. If you're not purging, we advise you to get off the street. It'll soon be a war out there. We're stuck outside on Persia. What are we going to do? Follow me. Move! Don't stop! It's my life to purge! They're coming.
Just remember all the good the Purge does. Rated R. The Purge Anarchy. Three groups of people intertwine and are left stranded in the streets on Purge Night, trying to survive the chaos and violence that occurs. Goth, same question again. What do you think the critics thought of this? I'm going to say the critics were not fans. Okay. Not saying I'm not a fan. Yeah, no, okay. The action sequences are well judged throughout, but we never get any closer to understanding which end of the fence the filmmakers sit at. I'll ask you that later on. Mm-hmm. This series combines smarts and shocks in a disarming manner. From small beginnings, it could be a lasting franchise. This entry is a satisfying, hard-boiled genre picture. Despite the movie's blundering detour, it does get back on track just in time to provide an unexpected, satisfying ending. A lot of human elements such as fear, anger, revenge and heroism are exploited in ways not many movies of this kind have been able to perfect. And finally, people will continue to pass these off as silly movies, though they are much more than that. They reveal the beating, ugly heart of America. So from the jump, this is actually the most critically acclaimed of the Purge films. Okay. Um, reasons we'll get into. I think they open the world up a bit more. Um, I went back and watched the Purge one yesterday, and I was intrigued as to where the idea of the film came from. So. James DeMonaco, who came up with the uh, concept of the film, he's the screenwriter, and I believe directed the first one. Um, He said, people were telling us it was just way too anti-American when asked about the concept. He said, the Founding Fathers have legalised all crime for one night each year. He said, so our original search for financing was completely independent. We had no thoughts of wide distribution or anything. That all changes. The script lands on the desk of producer Jason Bloom, who uh, is the founder and CEO of Blumhouse Productions. He'd recently signed a three-year deal with Universal Pictures, and his job was effectively delivering genre movies that cost four million or less to make. Right. He gave the director here three million after seeing their script. He says, I never thought of a franchise while I was writing or even shooting the first movie, and then we had a crazy opening. It debuted in June 2013, opening weekend projections of $18 million to $25 million. It ends up topping the box office, grossing over $36.4 million that weekend. They get the call pretty soon. Start fleshing this out because we're coming back. So he said, I always knew if there was a part two, I'd love to do something like the Warriors and show what's happening on the streets of America. That was in my head, but I knew the likelihood of having a hit film so small, I couldn't get ahead of myself. Mm -hmm. On how he got the idea, he said, my wife said something in a road rage incident that stayed with me. This guy almost killed us and she's a nice person, I promise. I hope this doesn't reflect poorly on her. But she said something like, I wish I had one a year. (laughs) <laughs> meaning legal murder. He said it was a moment of anger, but the idea of one legal murder a year stayed with me. And that's where the film comes from. That's he, fair. <laughs> he says, we're kind of challenging the public's response to such an outlandish idea. The conceit of a United States where the purge exists is unbelievably fertile ground for storytelling in so many different ways. 
what do foreign countries do? What do politicians do? How did it happen? How did it start? How does it keep going? What happens to the economy? What happens to unemployment? There's so many angles you can explore from this idea. The first film has a reasonable amount of star power. Ethan Hawke mm-hmm. is Ethan Hawke. Um, you've got Lena Headey in there, which must be as Game of Thrones is going on. When did the first film come out? Early 2010s. I think it's 2014, I think. Unless 2014, mm. so... What, 2012, maybe? Uh, first one comes out in 2013. And Game of Thrones... That would have already have started, surely. Started in 2011, yeah. so that's a, that's a decent... Yeah. So, they get Ethan Hawke, and they say... Ethan slept on my sofa for the three and a half weeks that we shot. Now, this is where it works out for him. He took $10,000 up front, but was given a chunk of the franchise. Right. He thinks he made mid-seven figures from the first film. When you said about they gave him $3 million to make the film, and yeah. I was wondering, well, how have they got yeah. Ethan Hawke on board so like, Ethan- within that budget? Ethan Hawke clearly got a good eye there because he sees the script, believes in the script. It's three and a half weeks to Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Ten grand. And then says, Yeah, I'll I'll take I'll take a percentage on the other side. Don't worry about it. Pays off. Mid seven figures from one film. Mm-hmm. And I believe he got a cut of the franchise. So he's eating good. Good business if you can that, get it. That whole franchise made over three hundred million dollars right. all in. So he, he's doing well. He says, the first one was always this morality play and we just wanted to focus on that 1%. To me, The Purge is one of the most grotesque concepts of all time. So we had to explore that. Now, the big criticism of the first film, and I've always said, I think I came on here, we started the podcast a few years later and right when there was no sport we did one one week and it was about films with a great concept that weren't executed properly Mm -hmm. and I always thought that with this I always thought the concept of as he says one night a year where you can do anything you want is such an unbelievable way of just being able to open up you can do so many different things with that yeah and then for it to be confined to a game of hide and seek in one house was like what are you what are you doing I I, I agree with you in that that's what makes the second one so much better I think yeah. in some ways is is the fact that they're yeah it's it's outdoors in in the real world kind of thing yeah. I kind of understand why from what you just said why they limited it to that now yeah um just going back to his comments of saying he didn't want to get too far ahead of himself yeah. maybe that was just kind of the original script but there as you said there were so many different yeah. opportunities from that he says the first film is intended as a cautionary tale and for the most part it is but we didn't know how people would respond the purge is about gun control and it's my opinion that we're going in the wrong direction not the right direction if your answer to school shootings is putting guards in school with guns then what's left mm-hmm. if we keep listening to the NRA the purge is where we're going to end up <laughs> so he was getting very far ahead yeah there's this, a lot of metaphors in this film and that's one I agree with. He He's asked about differences to the original and this is very telling. He said, I knew that if I was an audience member, I'd be very angry with The Purge 1 because of how claustrophobic it was. 
one of the things we always heard after we'd finished the first movie was, we want to know what happened outside, what's going on in the world on the streets during the purge. In the second one, I wanted to go into the perspectives of the disenfranchised, the impoverished, and focus on the Carmen Ajogo character and how the system is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It was a metaphor for the predatory economics that we've seen over the years where we're feeding the rich and taking from the poor. Yeah. Frank Grillo comes in on this one, and he's kind of the face in the... that Ethan Hawke was the face of the first one. I was thinking last night, we, we think of some actors and we say they've been typecast, they only play the same role. That really is most actors kind of play the same role, just a different in different version. Only of like it. the the, the your top Tom actors, Hanks and yeah. your Leos and your Damons, your Christian Bales. And yeah, stuff very like. few have the luxury of doing that. Mm. What most actors do is, this is what I do, and I'm going to do it well. Frank Grillo's um, what he puts on a card, I guess, when he's applying for things is, I look like a guy that's seen things. <laughs> And he's in like, I think I said to Christian Bale was quoted last week as saying, any job I got is because Leo DiCaprio turned it yeah. down. I feel like any job Frank Grillo's got is that John Berntal has turned it down <laughs> because they're doing the same kind of, you know, yeah, it's spot on. I'm a grizzled guy. I've maybe got some military experience that I don't want to talk about. They could easily be related if yeah. you put them side by side. <laughs> and he, he comes in on this and he was asked about the film and he says the first thing I wanted to say is he just loved that black car so much that he offered to buy it and they wouldn't let him <laughs> afterwards um, they do insist that everyone knows in this one some things remain illegal during the purge the use of explosives mm-hmm. such as C4 grenades or dynamite politicians and government workers above a certain level are exempt I thought even that was an interesting thing to note because while that makes sense that not everyone in the country goes to take out the president. Yeah. That's something that, again, ties in with this one that's all about kind of class and... The ruling class above everyone else. If if the purge came about tomorrow in this country, the first thing that we would hear is, don't you be thinking you can come for any Tories, by the way. exactly. Because it's not happening. And it ties in with this. It's such a subtle thing that you know would be the case if this was to be um, implemented in society. Mm -hmm. Before I ask you anything else, what do you predict the body count to be in this film? Oh, Jesus. It's less than 100. Fifth, no. 42. You were closer the first time. 65. Oh, went the wrong way. 65 on screen at least. Yeah. Um, where was I? Okay, so Frank Grillo said, Anarchy was really James's idea for the first movie, but he didn't have the funds. It was equal parts horror and thriller and action movie. So for me, it was right in my wheelhouse. Do you think the directors glorify the idea of a purge? I wouldn't necessarily say glorify. I think they they do a good job of showing exactly what would happen. Well, I've got what what he thinks on the situation, so I'm interested in just if I think they they do well had, to they do well to balance it with showing the horrors of it as well, though. If if we were being sold that the purge could potentially take place in this country, mm-hmm. if you showed the purge, everyone had to watch this film in this country. 
and we had to do a Brexit style cut ballot. So that goes well, went well last yeah. time. <laughs> do you think people would say this is a good idea and vote for it based on what they see in this film? I'd like to think they'd say it's not a good idea, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't trust the public. <laughs> so he says, my fear with the film has always been that I never wanted any audience member to think that I was promoting The Purge. And believe me, I've seen several people out there who interpret the film that way. The scary thing about making films is how people interpret it. The movies is and the movie is always about saving lives and not taking lives. We always offer a glimpse of hope. In Purge 1, it was Ethan Hawke and Lena Headey's decision to save the stranger. And then in Anarchy, Frank Grillo decided not to kill the drunk driver who killed his boy. Yeah. Everything always ended with some hope and some humanity. I don't think that's right. Even when he decides to, to save the other characters, like he didn't have to do that. If it was glorifying it more than anything, I think he'd have just driven off and, and let them get killed. Yeah. And it would have ended with him literally just putting a bullet through the guy's head. If, if we... Um start with this then before we go through the film this vote people have listened to this podcast and they said you know that is a fantastic idea we are going to put this out as a vote it doesn't go the way we want it and the purge is coming into force it's next Saturday I've already got a way out it's fine well this is my question so how do you prepare and how do you get through the 12 hours I go on holiday Okay. <laughs> I wrote this down. I fly off on holiday somewhere. I wrote this down last night when, and I said, I bet the flight prices are insane to get out of the country <laughs> at this time of year. That's why you fly off maybe a month before and just take a month away or two weeks away. Because something they don't get into in this, I've got to think a certain time before the purge is going to happen there's some agreement where flights are they're they're cut off because they can't have people flying in to take place in the purge (laughs) and then just coming off the plane and and just dipping off afterwards (laughs) there'll be ways around it like are we saying we're going a bit off here but are we saying it's only in this country because in which case you could get a boat and go into international waters I'm saying you can't get out of the country how how do you I I like to think from my time at the co-op I'm a friendly face in Brooklyn where is this going <laughs> I'm a friendly face I, I hope there's no one out there going Purge next Saturday I know exactly where I'm going <laughs> I'm going to that house <laughs> and so do you just lock your doors do you have to take evasive action do you, I think that's the do you sit in yeah. a deck chair outside the front of your house and you're like, you've got to eye people down as they're going past? Don't you even think about it? No, because you will get a psychopath who yeah. just doesn't care. I think you've, you've got to, unless you, you've got something in your mind where, I don't know, you're out for revenge, you want to, you've got that in you. I think you've just got to barricade yourself as best as possible. I was thinking, the, I remember the first time I watched this, that fine, I just barricade myself in do whatever I did I can all year to like protect my house for that night until the the guys in the army like uh, suits turned up and just blew everything apart <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like oh brilliant there goes my idea then um, it's a hard one isn't it or do you just try and disappear into the middle of nowhere in preparation because part of it I guess is um, we don't have guns in this country but there are guns in this country yeah. 
So the people that do have guns, they're on a madness. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're all in big trouble. But if you kind of wipe that out, I guess it's like um, if you were playing laser tag or Call of Duty or whatever, and you just sit behind the door and if anyone comes in... You're just camping there. Yeah, <laughs> then they're, they're done out here before they even have the chance to turn and look at you. I suppose, you. yeah. I, I don't know what sit, else you can do. Sit on your landing. If you, if you can somehow get your hands on a gun, sit on your landing waiting for people to come through the door. You're just unlucky. You've got like the one person in this little village that's got grenades to smoke you out <laughs> <laughs> and they're coming around with a big rolling pin and that a carving knife. My other answer would just be like, just go somewhere, no, I don't know, go up Mount Snowden or something. <laughs> go camping for the night. No I one's going to be I up there. I people. bet there's some wrong ones up there. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly would. I thought, I found it strange that we, we see at the end of this film, there's some people that just go to sleep. Like, <laughs> yeah, they just carry on like cooking their dinner and going to bed. No, I, I wrote down. Everyone seems very lax about getting home before the purge starts. They're like, oh, it's forty minutes. Like, <laughs> what? Even the couple with the car. Yeah, like forty-five minutes to go. Is yeah, we, we best be heading off. <laughs> yeah, you're leaving yourself. Not, I'm not leaving the house that week. <laughs> I'm getting stocked up. The first film, they had the right idea. There's a greater thing in that, that they felt safe because uh, Ethan Hawke sold them all his security systems that it turns out actually weren't that helpful in, yeah. in this uh, case scenario. Well, it's, I'm sure we'll go on to it. It's, it's the whole case of whoever's got money can afford to yeah. protect their homes and yeah. who hasn't can't. Um so enough people have stayed in the country. They're trying to get, <laughs> trying to get safe, and you kind of have to accept that it's going to be a long old night. Now we've got a couple that are about to break up. They have to tell their sister for some <laughs> reason. Yeah, I felt like someone was missed out in that. Like, did did we miss something? I found that a bit weird. Yeah, so they, they've they've broken up with each other, but they I think the gist of it is they haven't told their families, which is why they need to tell their sister. Why I assume for the whole start it. of it that she'd nicked her sister's bloke, and it's we're gonna have to uh, tell her at some. Okay. But it's not. That's no. not the case. Um, but that's the way when it's said like that. I thought that's that's the direction we're going down. Here. Yeah, but apparently not. Um, so they're going home. Everyone's got their shifts. You're fuming if you're stuck on that late shift before <laughs> the purge starts. That's like working late on a Friday times 10. <laughs> We've got a 6.30 shift on a purge night. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> working in the kebab shop in Barton Street and walking home. <laughs> Anyone's, anyone willing to swap shifts with me? No, I think you're on your own there. Um, yeah, you, you just you just shut up shop. You just wouldn't turn up. Yeah, and we've got so the waitress returns home to her seventeen-year-old daughter and her terminally ill father, who also despise the new founding fathers. Mm-hmm. They get ready to barricade themselves in. Look, we're going to do the same we always do. We've got a gun for if we have to use it, but we don't cause any trouble. We're not expecting any trouble. Now, 
lost in all this. The dad pimps himself out, <laughs> says, I'm going to die anyway. I've had enough. I'm going to die anyway. I'm a burden. And so I'm going to get some money for you girls to be able to have a good rest of your life. Do we ever find out if they get that money from memory? No. Oh, I don't think we do. We don't go far enough into it no. after the ending of the film. Um, so that that's down there. And then the rich people say that they they hire someone so they don't have to get themselves involved in all of the madness. Um, a weird one. Like, what is it? There's like eight people there. One bloke that can barely move. On what, what sorry? What, this, the the dad that kind of pimps himself out. Yes. Yeah. What, what are they gaining? What are they cleansing themselves of there? Like, I don't understand what Isn't they're getting like from that. like the whole that. thing of just... A, the rich being able to get, yeah, obviously people to do their dirty work for them. And the whole cleansing the soul thing is just like how many powerful people are just fucking psychopaths, well, it's, I think. It's vile the whole way through. But when you actually look back to the end, and maybe I guess some of it is the struggle, the auctioneer sells all these people off for less money than they pay for a bloke that can barely move, unless that's what they want. Yeah, they don't want a guy that's struggling. They just want it's, to be it's the hunt, to... isn't it? I that's think. what I mean. So the they thrill. don't even get that. Is what I thought. These rich people. Oh right, the first. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. I think it's just more about the fact that they're just rich and mental, yeah. like psychopaths more than anything. They can do whatever they want. Um, and all the rich people are only ever white as well. Have you noticed? Yeah. Well, there was there was some criticism. I don't know if I watched. There's there's the Purge election year. I don't know if I yeah. watched that at a cinema review or not. Yeah, I know a couple of us watched it. But there was a real thing in that where I can't say anything like that's ever really made me lose any sleep. But literally in that film, mm-hmm. the protagonists are all black and yeah. all the villains are just white mm-hmm. the whole way through. And you can imagine the people that are up in arms about, about this. Yeah, But this one has some level of subtlety to it as it goes on they they become less obscure with their message uh, yeah because the people who what's it is it the n nfs NF, yeah yeah they're essentially a group of black people fighting back kind of thing so it is is yeah as you say it's it's obvious in one way but it's a lot more subtle than the election year one was yeah and they then they they Drive home in the first one, there's the people that come to Ethan Hawke's door because he's let a homeless man in. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that they reference in this one is one of the reasons they think the purge goes on is that they need to basically wipe out the people that are draining the economy. And they keep saying, this homeless guy doesn't deserve to live. Give him to us. We need to rid society of people like this. And they kind of just go in further on this one. It's quite bleak in that we're having to go, it's very hypothetical that the purge is happening. But you can imagine that being a thing that does go on. Like yeah. the, the people that are higher up than we can ever imagine, 
they have an opportunity to kind of shape the nation as they want it to be it's shaped. Genocide in yeah. a way, isn't it? Yeah. And they go through here and it's, right, I don't know what weapons some people have in this <laughs> because whatever they take, what's his name, Carlos, the guy who's coming upstairs, the guy who basically because she didn't invite oh, him yeah. over. The weird, creepy yeah. landlord, like, not landlord, like neighbour yeah. guy, yeah. He says... She says, oh, just do what you want to me. And he's, he's like, oh, I will. Fuck me. <laughs> Jesus. Um, he's wiped out with some, like, intergalactic gun <laughs> there. It's a, it's a madness. And then, yeah, they're, they're taken out. And this is where the fam, not the fam, the different groups tuck in together. Yeah. Where they all start to merge. And Yanti hero comes across them. Yeah, yeah, so we get his story early on, and I think they do a good job here throughout this. They don't overcomplicate anyone's story. No, terminally old guy. I guess you could go into um, all sorts of things about euthanasia and all of this stuff right from this film. He's going to die anyway. I'm going to take some money for the one time a year and get this over with. Um, and. Uh, in this one, a drunk driver killed his son. He now has the chance to go out and kill him. Yeah. I, I have to imagine on, and I'm similar like I'm selling this into action here. If the purge was going to be a thing, that kind of story is what it would be sold on. Yeah. And uh, so it's easy to get behind this guy as your hero because it's just a guy that has, as I said, grizzled, and avenging his dead son is one that no one has. It's, ju- it's, a, all, it's justified yeah, in a way, isn't it? In a it? film yeah. that's supposed to poke and prod and open up certain issues, that's not an issue that anyone is no. considering uh, taking a umbrage with. So the classic film thing of that, no, don't do it. The only time he talks to himself the whole film, he's like, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> Keep and driving. Then, yeah, and then he decides to go and do it. Good scene, actually. It's probably as good action as we get in the previous film. Mm-hmm. And just the moment of him driving across the city does more to just open up this world to us. Yeah, like you realise how much chaos is going around. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really well done. He takes them out. And then we've... If it was cat and mouse in the first film, it's kind of cat and mouse in this one as well but yeah. just on a far larger scale we've got these same villains trying to get them the couple from the start of the film got them doing it and I guess Frank Grillo is the cat in this situation who's helping the mice what do you think about the people that are along with them because I took real issue with the bloke and really I'm glad you said that. He is an absolute liability. <laughs> but when you actually think about it, is he that wrong? Like he says, think about it here. Everyone else is purging. He chose to be out here. We should maybe think twice about just blindly following this guy. Well, no, I think at the end of the day, he's chose, you've, you've seen him choose to save these two women Fair, yeah so yeah. that surely overrules whatever he whatever he was going to do you can tell he's not a danger he's chose to take you in his car as well eventually anyway yeah like you can 
no matter is what, it, would they his be business is his business kind of thing. Yeah. Like, if he's happy to, to save you, then that's fair I enough. I wonder if he's sceptical, is he going to take us somewhere and he wants to purge, so he's going to purge with us. Yeah, that could be a possibility, but I think it becomes quite clear quite quickly that, well, hang on, he's the guy who's going to keep us alive Yeah, because he, he kind of, it's, it's a thing that we see in this type of film all the time, the kind of, I'm a tough man, don't speak to me, but they also clearly have a soft spot for yeah. the young child because they've got their own mm-hmm. issues. And at the point when like he's taking his jacket off and he's putting his arm out to say, don't go past me. Yeah. Yeah, he sets him up. If I'm out on the streets, if the purge does come to Rockworth, I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and we could maybe do with one of them to help us. But yeah, that, that guy who from, from that couple... Yeah, <laughs> riled me. Just absolutely riled me. When um, what was it? When the 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 hero guy says, "Oh, we need to go across the, the bridge or the river or whatever," and he goes, "No, yeah. that's the long way. Let's go the short yeah. way straight away." It's like, mate, just just get yeah. back in your box. Let let him lead the way, and backfired because he ends up in a trap straight away. Yeah, he definitely the type. Let's split up, split up, and look for clues. Yeah. Um. He yeah he was a weird one. He has his moment, doesn't he? Where. Even the moment when he's standing up for them down in the um, in the tunnel in the tunnel, he's still shit. Yeah, he's, he's still irritated. His, bird, his bird's doing a better job with the gun than he is. And then when he takes the bullet, it's like, can you stop whinging? <laughs> in taking when he gets, it's just a flesh wound. Like this is, <laughs> you're not that bad. And if then, he was better with the gun in his hands, he wouldn't have got shot. The fact that one of them, if if you told us one of these guys does have to die. It's gonna, yeah. It's gonna be. I it. feel like, yeah. Everyone was, like, yeah. <laughs> his his missus changed her opinion. She was ready to leave him. Yeah. A couple of hours before. Now all of a sudden she wants him again. She's a bit of an MVP in that group though, amongst the other the others, <laughs> yeah. other than the hero guy. Like, she can handle herself with a gun. Yeah, she yeah. does it on more than one occasion. Yeah. Um, so the we go from there. Also out on the streets, we we have this woman on the roof with a megaphone. Uh, that was bizarre. <laughs> I couldn't understand gun. what she was shouting either. I, I don't know if it was just because it was quite quiet on my TV. I think um, I think like every person we see is supposed to be an extreme. And I took her. She says something. She says something about above, and I took right. that as being those religious preachers you see in the street. Right. Yeah. This is if they were really. If they really have to drive home your message, like <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses, <laughs> open that door. I've got a message for you. Shoots your door down. Yeah, this is the equivalent where she uh, would have something of cleansing, yeah. cleansing the nation. But it's just her on a roof. Considering there's people in buildings all around there. Why is no one sniping her? Yeah, like- why she isn't taken out unless they think she's doing the Lord's work? I don't know. <laughs> but. One man army, you, you, you've got to respect it in that sense. And these little traps that have been set up, unless they've been set up in the what, like 40 minutes? Yeah. Is that not outside <laughs> of the purge time? Like, they've been there all day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure That's you true. could, I'm not sure you can get away with this. <laughs> I mean, I suppose you could set them up as long as no one gets killed from them. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's not illegal classic classic film thing when he does rescue the two girls at the start make sure the guy's dead yeah a guy that's as trained as you mm-hmm. just make sure mm-hmm. and uh, 
he doesn't. And so the guy that looks like a more grizzled Kevin Bacon is just able to just rule the roost and right up until the conclusion of the film. Um, we've got them still out on the street. They evade the people with... Uh, they're kind of with the fires outside. He chokes out one of them. Yeah. Puts him down slowly. They go into the underground. Some people have somehow got these like go-karts down there like they're in Mad Max. <laughs> and they get out of this and it's a, it's a classic horror thing, isn't it? Where you might think you're safe, but you're definitely not safe. Yeah. And they go into this family home and we can see what's coming. Mm-hmm. The sister is flirting with the boyfriend of one of them. Of her sister. Yeah. So it's, yeah, she's flirting with her sister's boyfriend. Yeah. The gun, yet yeah, we see her give a few looks. And you're like, okay, what's going down here? And the hero guy can sense it straight away. Yeah, like, she yeah, in front of the groups called him a pussy hole by that point as yeah. well by going, look at him all dressed up. If he went out, he was going to be the biggest weakling. It's like, hey, <laughs> what's going on here? No wonder he's shagging his Mugging sister. me off in front of my pals. <laughs> and then, yeah, she shoots him once he goes down no shoots the sister sister goes down clips him once and then Grillo comes into action mm-hmm. the guy that doesn't want to kill anyone who's now killed about eight people tonight <laughs> what's one more what's one more gonna do and just takes out this woman it'd be interesting to have, like be a fly on the wall you know after they escape and <laughs> yeah. like just because what you've got the mum and dad still there <laughs> just the dead sister. Does, does anyone floor. think about the next day? Because <laughs> so <laughs> is everyone just out burying people the day after the day after the purge? Everyone's garden is just looking. Well, <laughs> you know the example I was going to use. A crazy night last night. Yeah. Oh, okay. What did I do last night? You killed your sister. <laughs> We've got them getting kidnapped after that, and this is where we again get the class divide of the rich, mm-hmm. and. I had it confused. There's one where they think they've kind of been kidnapped and instead they're with, um, I forget the actor's name, Chalky Wire, Omar from The Wire, his um, people. Archie from 2K. There you go. <laughs> and I, he, he's with them. But this, I've forgotten this whole kind of auction side of things. Yeah. That's a weird setup, isn't it? But also one that feels a little too possible. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me a bit of like... Um the the auctions of uh, the human trafficking in Taken, Taken. Yeah, yeah. yeah which I suppose yeah it is it is to highlight again the the difference between the rich people and the poor people and that human trafficking is a thing well I, I was looking at the time and and um, there's a couple on the front row that are crying and I think in that situation you want to look like as plain as possible mm-hmm. and they don't. Uh, do that so when you're bawling your eyes out on the front row fortunately it's you actually you're actually paying for a chance to try and hunt some of these people yeah and again it's, it's like rich people pay to hunt animals now in this instance they're paying to hunt human beings it's, well, it's awful I understand they're, they're just taking essentially they're the opposite aren't they 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 want to have some level of struggle yeah I would look at Frank Grillo and say we don't need that. Just leave him behind. Even just shoot him on the side and just take the girls and the other bloke that's with them 
I know there's a lot of them, but that just feels yeah. like unnecessary work. You've seen the guy in action. The fact he's the last one to take out. He's done some tactical manoeuvre. You've clipped him from behind. And he's already taken out, what, like eight to ten that, of your guys earlier on? That's probably the best scene of the film. Like when he just goes around taking them out one yeah. by one. gets the. But they've seen him the take out like on. some of their squad earlier in the night. They mm. should know what this guy was all about. And instead they're like, we think, think these rich guys can just take it. Is that is that part of it? Though it's part of the arrogance. Yeah, of, yeah. Of like the upper class of like well, it doesn't matter who that person is. Well, because they kit them out, don't they? It's like uh, the first one in Gladiator where they have all the weapons and he has to eventually he's got a shield, hasn't he? That's yeah. it. And they've got everything they need, and then yeah, as you say, when he just starts icing these fools just one by one. Few things cooler than when someone first puts on their night vision in films. <laughs> it's like, this means business now. <laughs> you know shit's about to go down. Yeah. And one by one, as you say, he takes them out. And then again, it highlights the the things we've already said about in, with the divide. Mm-hmm. It's not a fair fight. They get taken out and it's just next one, yeah. next lot in. They get an army in to try and take them out. And then our man's guys turn up our least favourite person is taken out for his <laughs> for his troubles and his missus says I want to stay and purge now so everything's been undone <laughs> maybe to show you how quickly things can change and I why people do point. do it yeah but we leave them to it and it's uh, you don't see her again for no. the film do you? carry on on their merry way From there. so that's then they directly go to. Um, Is that when they go straight to the drunk drivers? Yeah, house? I believe so. Because st- the the two women are still begging him not to do it, and he's like, "No, stay in the car." I think. Yeah, that's what we like to see. Um, Spurs behind for anyone wondering, ex academy prospect bagging the go. <laughs> yeah, they're saying stay in the car and. Was there ever a point where you thought he was going to kill him? No. It felt a little too... Um... It would have been too much of a lazy ending, I think, for it to just build up to that. I think they try and they obviously do the whole film thing of trying to trick you by yeah. not actually showing it. All you hear is the scream and the gunshot. So you, you think, oh, has he? But for a split second you think that anyway yeah. and then you remember actually no that, again that would be too much of a lazy ending and you, what did confuse me actually when he walked out was all the blood all down him probably it must be from earlier in the night or, so, or I, he maybe just beat the oh, man he didn't did he no who knows maybe he killed his cat or something <laughs> <laughs> one of you's getting it it's the kid or the cat we don't see the wife again do we no. maybe he shot the wife and then Kevin Bacon guy says it effectively does the like Big Daddy I think yeah, they call it yeah. isn't it <laughs> you should have killed me when you had the chance yeah. um, takes him out I thought that was going to be the ending originally when I first watched it you know when he stands over him with the gun and says that line Yeah, I thought that was it they were going to shoot him and then the screen would just go black and that would, would you have an end. issue with that ending? not necessarily no again I think it would have been a slightly lazy ending but I think it would it still would have worked. I think, I don't know if we did it on the Gone Girl podcast. I think we spoke about endings that you can be unsatisfied with at the time, mm-hmm. but they can age well for you. And I think that would have been more of an ending that ages. Yeah. Ages well. Quite doozy. Um 
but then they're supposed to do the whole turnaround, aren't they? That the guy who he was about to murder shoots him and kind of does the oh, you know we're even now. Yeah. And then gets him to hospital. Do you think in that situation he, he's just got to let if someone's going to take out one of your ops, you you, you you let them. Yeah. No, I suppose you just got to let sleeping dogs lie kind of thing. And if he was going to do it, he would have done it then. Yeah. He's obviously had the chance, chosen not to not to kill the, the drunk driver guy. And yeah, you just got to move on from it. One of the most incredible things in these films the whole way through is um, how much they abide by the actual times. Like they <laughs> the second the alarm goes off, because the police aren't coming the second no it goes off and maybe if there's cameras around I I guess but you can probably get away with a Even shot the like soldier a second. guys are like putting their guns down like oh, okay. we're getting buzzer, buzzer beaters on the purge <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird because thinking about that you know when the um oh what's his name Grilla? Archie from TK yeah, yeah. and his boys come in they do use illegal grenades and then it starts going off, doesn't it? The alarm saying, "Yeah, You'll yeah, be yeah." Reported. So, is it alluded to some fact that if something does happen, they're yeah, able that's to a see fair it? point. Yeah, good, good chat. Um, or maybe always just the rich people basically come on play fair <laughs> because they they do it, don't they? Where um, when they get outside and they have the chance to kill her, and yeah. she's doing please no, and she she can't believe the fact he's letting her go. That they no, even just that you can't kill me. Why would you, they, she looks almost confused that they would want to do this yeah. to her. Would you be letting her go in that situation? I, I was, it was as involved as I was in the whole film thinking, do her now. If I'm letting her, her go, I'm at least doing her kneecap or something. Yeah, yeah. That's what like, I wanted. I'm to. not just letting her run. All it does, <laughs> run for me is basically his yeah. way of uh, sunning her. What did you think of the ending? Satisfied with the ending? Remind me how it went. So, they they get him to the hospital and the that's kind of it yeah. yeah I think I I understand kind of maybe why they've done that just to kind of show like it's just a one off thing and then it it's just showing life going back to normal kind of thing isn't it yeah and then they do it's 364 days yeah. till the next purge but I'm actually thinking it would have been better with the guy just standing over him and shooting him maybe yeah it's part of it to show with how you see nothing after just how kind of insignificant these people are in the grand scheme of things, mm. like everything moves on because they see their boss get taken out and they abide by the purge that much that they don't retaliate seconds yeah. later. And then everyone just kind of gets on with it. As if nothing happens. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. The whole thing with the family. It's like, imagine the next day. It's like, you've literally killed your sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're meant to just forget about it and wait till next year. Well, yeah, they ha- in the first one, um, Ethan Hawke's just dead in the middle of the floor. Yeah. And Lena Headey's saying, get out of my house now. Makes them sit at a table for <laughs> for the last hour to make sure everyone has a ceasefire and she slams someone's face into a glass table because they try and get fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, anything more to add on The Purge before we get to the scorecards? No, I don't- I don't think so. I don't Unless think you have. The, the only other thing I'd done in my notes is um, I bet Dua Lipa would purge. And I had no reason <laughs> for that. I, Why I Dua Lipa? It, I think it was seeing all the posh people um, oh, in that right. auction. I, I was scrolling uh, Instagram and I went past her and I thought, 
you look like you'd get involved in this. Is it because she's got quite a posh accent? Yeah, when she I speaks? think it is entirely that. Yeah, <laughs> I still believe that though. So I still, I'm not ruling out that she would get involved in a bit of purging. Probably one of them easy ones. It would be as interesting well. to see which famous people would would purge and which ones which ones wouldn't. If I said to you, name someone that would now. Kanye West. You think he would? Yeah. I. It's not a good one to say now. I'm a very big Kanye fan. I I, I know that. <laughs> I I think he'd hide away. And reckon- not, not for reasons of morally objecting to it. Yeah. I think it's... I think you can kind of stick it on him and I think he's shown to be all, all bark in quite a few situations. 50 Cent. He definitely wouldn't make it out of the night, can no. he? <laughs> I don't think... I'm trying to think... All I can think is people that would die. I've just seen James Franco just getting whacked. <laughs> so maybe I'll ask Keenan that next week as Roy a Keen. first question. He likes to keep himself to himself, doesn't he? He's one of them. Actually, no, he'd, he'd barricade himself yeah, in. he'd be locked yeah. and loaded. Um, all right. So Basically, cool. what we're trying to say there is what celebrities do we think are scumbags? <laughs> <laughs> Fergie's getting one of them ships into him. Just so we can. Do you dare bloke. talk about him like that? <laughs> I know where I'm going if I'm purging. <laughs> Fergie's getting it. He'd be level ten or higher. Okay. Uh, okay. So, which film did you prefer? Hmm. It's hard when you really enjoyed both of them to pick one. Um. I'm going to go slightly towards Sorted. I'm slightly towards The Purge, and I okay. didn't expect that to be the case. Um, I went in kind of thinking, I know I like Sort. Yeah. Let's, the Purge it's, I think it's one of them where that it can change each time you rewatch both of them. I think if I'd have chosen it before I rewatched them this week, I'd have gone the opposite yeah. way. Which one do you think is more rewatchable? Probably Sorted, I think. If I had to choose which one to watch again tonight, it would be that, I think. I'm going The Purge again, so Ooh, we're, we're, okay. we're split. Uh, best moment slash scene? It's got to be... Not necessarily best, but the most memorable is is The Needles in oh, Sorted. I isn't agree it? with you. We, we didn't need that... Not saying I enjoyed watching no, it. We didn't need that platoon-style slow-mo where they're throwing their arms up with all the needles <laughs> still stuck in it. Daniel, by the way, no help there. Just stand on, just pick a few needles out <laughs> after the fact. Um, MVP across both films. Oh, what's his face? Grillo. Grillo. Got to be. Yeah. Best quote. I take it Grillo is yours as well. Yeah. 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 Best quote is the safe safe place. I wrote that down immediately. There, he's in a safe place. Oh, there. Oh, yes, there will be blood. (laughs) There was supposedly the the line where I think it's Xavier says like the only thing you know how to open up is the like between your legs or something. Oh yeah. Um, he told him to improvise that line. 
And so they just had hours of him just chucking abuse at that woman. She does look genuinely shocked. (laughs) Does tie into what we know her character is supposed to be by the end. Um, Best side character. Ooh. Best side character. I can't remember her name, but I've called her the MVP in that group <laughs> yeah. in, on the verge. I'm going to say her, the, the woman it's, from the it's couple. It's definitely not the daughter, by the way. It's like saving your life. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. She's minutes. just a bit annoying, isn't she? Yeah, I do. I do agree with you. Um, if you can clap. Yeah, she's a side yeah, character. Yeah, definitely. Um, which one had you more on the edge of your seat? Saw. Agreed. Just because it's such a more uncomfortable watch kind of thing. Which film had more action per minute? Per minute? I'm going to say The Purge, I'd say. Yeah, it gets going right what, yeah. within 10 minutes. The, it's dark. Uh, best soundtrack? They're both very similar, aren't they? One thing I did notice with The Purge, this might sound weird in terms of because it's best soundtrack, they time the silences perfectly, yeah. I found. When you wanted the characters to be quiet because they were in danger. Everything was silent. You couldn't hear a pin drop. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going sore just because the theme's been stuck in my head. (laughs) Which one is more original? I mean, they're both original in their own way, but it's probably The Purge, I'd say. Agreed. Bigger Impact got to be sore really yeah. you're not on your on your 10th film without making <laughs> a huge impact somewhere down the line are you best opening scene sore just because it sets it up yeah. it, it puts its cards on the table straight away best ending um, sore again I'd say yeah I agree and best chemistry best chemistry for a film overall or between characters? Well, yeah. However you want to take I'm it. I'm going to say Grillo and just everyone. Yeah, I, I would... With the Purge. I guess the whole point of the saw is that these people don't really have much... That, that's the thing, yeah. They're not prepared to work them. together. So let me score this up. So one. Six, five. Ooh, to saw. Nearly came down to the tiebreaker, which would have been saw as well. So it did have a two-point buffer... So Saw 2 has gone through to the next round. Keenan will be thrilled, I'm sure, (laughs) to know that. Um, And we will be back next week with American Gangster versus City of God. Thank you to Goff for joining us today. Welcome back anytime. And yeah, you'll find us here next week. Adios.